Good morning, friends. Oh, the people at 9 o'clock were not awake. Thanks for responding. Thanks, Kelly. Um, as some of you know, you've been here with us the past few weeks. We are in a sermon series entitled Jesus 167, where we're looking at the 167 hours of our lives that are not spent in, thanks, Katie, in worship on Sunday mornings. We assume that this hour is worshipful, and we want to invite you to noticing God in the rest of your daily life. So that's what we're going to do together today is talk about Saturday at 1 p.m., maybe. What we're going to talk about is how you spend an hour when you're doing something that's fun, delightful, recreation, if you will. How are you noticing God in that? So as we gather around God's word, would you please join me in a word of prayer? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your servants throughout time. I'm thinking now of Augustine who said a Christian should be in a hallelujah from head to toe. That is who we want to be, God. We want it to be so obvious when other people meet us that we love you and that you are present and good and kind. So shape us because we've been together this morning, God. May we listen for your word to us and your Holy Spirit's presence here with us. We know we're not running ahead of you, God. You're way ahead of us. So we're going to look for you this morning. We're going to listen for you. I pray that you would hide me behind your word so that you and you alone are brought glory and praise and honor. And all God's children said, amen. Well, throughout scripture, there are stories and words about joy. <coughs> Excuse me. Psalm 1611 says this, in your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. And here's the great news. We don't have to wait to eternity to be experiencing God's presence or the fullness of joy. Ellen Glasgow is a writer, and she talks about her father, who is a Presbyterian pastor. This is what she says. He was entirely unselfish, my father. In his long life, he never committed a pleasure. What? I just think that's wrong. Are you with me? Yeah. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, yeah, that's a pleasure, that's a delight. So we're not going to we're not going to be like her dad, although I'm sure he was a great guy. From the very outset of the word of God, we see God walking with humanity. Shelley launched us with the Genesis passage when we started this sermon series. God is walking in the garden with humanity. I don't know if you noticed, but it says, the sound of God walking. Isn't it interesting that we're embodied believers so how might my ears help me recognize God walking? We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. There are no shortcuts for spending time with God. Just do it, as the people at Nike say. So today, I hope you'll leave here with a new practice of noticing God, paying attention to God, enjoying God in your hour of leisure. You know, sometimes we think everything about our spiritual lives has to be a whole bunch of work. As it turns out, there are fun things we get to do that help us to know and love God better. Recreation, right? You know there are two words there, re, over, creation, recreate, refresh, remember, renew, revive. We get to do that all the time in the name of Jesus. When we notice God at work in our lives, we are recreated because I propose to you 
that being recreated by God moment by moment guides us to a place of gratitude. And then from gratitude, we always end in worship. That's what we're gonna talk about today, walking with God in ways that shape us, recreate us, and lead us to worshiping God. So here's a question for you. How's your walk? Is your joy showing? My mom grew up in the 50s, so she always talked about wearing her slip and her slip not showing. Is your joy showing this morning? Friends, joy is actually a sacramental state and way of being. The word joy shows up over 260 times in scripture beginning in Deuteronomy. What do we see people doing in joy? We see them dancing and shouting, rejoicing with exceedingly great joy, going out with joy, coming back with joy, joy in God's presence. That's a lot of joy, my friends. True joy is only possible with one's whole heart, whole soul, and whole being. True joy opens our souls, giving our existence a certain easiness to be around. We may have fun, but we live in joy. One's outside us, one's internal. The joy we live in is the joy of the Lord. One of the places we see consistently in the scriptures, we see joy brought about is in the Psalms. Uh, Master preacher and theologian Earl Palmer used to say this, the Psalms echo accurately the real feelings of real people. And then he'd lean over the pulpit and he'd say, the Psalms are people fluent. I like that idea. They're just real people living their lives. Okay, maybe scaling mountains, things we didn't have to do. Psalm 84, 2 says this, my heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Oh my word, friends. I hope that after you're reminded today that this week when you are recreated, being recreated in God, that your heart and your flesh will sing to joy to God. Joy awakens us, every one of our senses. It energizes us, it delights us. So are you like actually reverberating and resonating with joy? Some things for you to ponder. What do you think of when you hear the word joy? What's your source of joy? Well, better said, who's your source of joy? Scripture says God gives us joy and peace. At the heart of joy, my friends, is an unshakable awareness and confidence that our good God has good in mind for us, which will lead to God's glory. Recreate, relearn, remember. Today, I hope you will leave here with a new practice of rehearsing joy. You heard Ben say it earlier. Somebody on the pastoral staff, almost every week, one of us says, we gather together on Sundays to rehearse, rehearse worshiping God, to practice our faith. Practice makes progress, right, friends? Well, I'm fond of crowdsourcing because I only know what I know. So this week, our social media team put out some questions to the congregation. What makes your heart sing? That's how I think of joy. Maybe because I like to sing. What makes your heart sing? And here is what our congregation said back to us. Seeing God's creation. Oh, someone said, I don't know where to begin. My heart delights in good food, good friends, conversation. Someone else said, lately, just being in community 
makes my heart sing and brings me joy because we've been apart for so long. We heard things like spending time with my kids, with my spouse. We heard spending time alone, drinking coffee in the sun, a long run, watching my daughter. And one of our young adults said, Trailhead Tuesdays. If you know, you know. <laughs> then we put it to a poll and we asked you to vote. And here's what people said. More people like reading than going to a movie. I was surprised. I was surprised. Really bright people in this room. More people liked community over being alone. It was really clear margin. Going out over eating in. That was really clear. And then 50-50, and I'm desperate to know what this means about us, but 50-50, people said dancing and ta or taking a nap. <laughs> Dancers, who are you? There we go. All right, all right. Today's, today's sermon's for you. Nappers, you too. My point is there's no right way to experience joy. There's no wrong way to be delighted. Are you awake to it? Sorry, no pun intended. I just realized what I said. Are you awake to God's presence when you're doing the things that delight your heart? Let's look at the Word of God. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. I have the message version up here for us. I'll, I'll read you the NIV in a minute. Hear God's Word. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal, our, marshal and direct our energies wisely. It's a pretty good modern language version of that. Here's the NIV. In contrast to living life without the Spirit, Paul says, live a new life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did you notice joy's number two? It's pretty high on the list. You can Google the word joy and get lots of different definitions, but I'm gonna give you mine. Joy is an embodied awareness of the holy presence and extravagant love of God. Friends, this awareness dawns on us like grace, a gift given to us. Often it's an unexpected something. It's a surprise. True joy comes in the Lord's presence and is connected to remembering the past, participating in the present, and anticipating the future because we are people of hope. We intend to spend forever enjoying God. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Surprised by Joy, talks about memory and longings, and he says this, all joy reminds. It is never a possession. It's always a desire for something longer ago or further away, or still about something yet to be. It's intense joy. Do you feel it when you do fun things? 
Our local Marin author, Anne Lamott, says this, my soul rejoices when it hears what it already knows. That happens for a lot of us in our activities of joy. I asked a couple of our church members to share with me the things that bring them delight and give me pictures. Are you ready? I'm not sure you're ready, but the first one, this is Meg and Rudy Keller. Meg hosted our luncheon yesterday, very graciously and super fun. What you, can't, you can see them, but what you can't see is that when Meg skis, because she's an expert skier, she puts on her headphones and she puts on worship music. And then she dances down the hill. I have seen the video, it is amazing. She, in her recreation, is delighting in God's presence with her. She's paying attention. She's on the path of joy. And by listening to that worship music, she's asking her mind to remind the whole of her being, God is here with me on this hill. Now, this is an epic picture, are you ready? This is Zorik and Joyce Hacopian. Are they so cute? So Zorik, when these two met, Zorik was already a diver, and he said to Joyce, how about if, would you learn to scuba dive too? And then we can do this together on trips. I think it'd be so fun. And God bless her, she said, yes. I'm not a diver. But when, when they went on this trip, I talked to her right after they got back, and I was like, well, what was it like to be out there? And she said, oh my gosh, Courtney, all of God's beauty, and you're right down there in it. And I said, yes, that's why I don't dive. <laughs> but you can see, you can see, even with the gear on, you can see them smiling from the inside out, living in joy, my friends. Sometimes I think we believe that we can't be joyful and sorrowful at the same time. That's just not true. They're not mutually exclusive. We get to choose joy because we choose Jesus in the middle of our sorrow. Some of you know I had a very hard season in my life. And I won't go into great detail. You can, well, let's go have coffee and I'll tell you more of the story. But one of the things that held me upright during that season was God's word. And reading a psalm over and over and over and over, though my circumstances did not change, I chose joy because I said out loud over and over, I trust your word. I know you're with me. I'm going to choose joy in the one thing that's right in front of me, whatever that is. People, I literally got delighted every day when my car started. When people left groceries on my front porch so my kids and I would have enough. It was a hard season. And Jesus never left my side. And so I could choose joy. I could be in joy as God was loving me. So what are we looking for in our times of recreation? We're looking for lots of different things, right? Rest, a nap, dancing, movement. Are we looking for God? I hope this week you'll have fresh eyes during your season, your moments of recreation. Deep suffering and intense joy are not mutually exclusive. St. John of the Cross called it this, a luminous darkness where I'm simultaneously existing in deep suffering and intense joy. God at work, my friends. 
Joy isn't an escape from our sorrows. Joy is a reminder of God's presence with, to, and for us in our sorrows. Can I get an amen? amen? Thanks. Roberta Mulholland says it this way, the path to spiritual wholeness for each and all of us lies in our increasingly faithful response to the one whose purpose shapes my life, whose power liberates me from the crippling bondage of my previous journey, and whose transforming presence meets me at every turn on the road. <laughs> what road are you on right now? Are there sharp turns and you're tired? You need some joy? I'm gonna teach you in just a minute how to borrow it if you don't have it. Joy is right at the heart of what it means to be fully present to God because God is fully present with us. Remember, to be recreated, to rest, leads us to noticing and to gratitude, which leads us on to worship. I read somewhere, and I could not authenticate this, so don't quote me. I know this is recorded, darn it. Um, that in the canonization process, there's actually an examination before someone is made a saint in the Catholic Church, that there must be, they must have a life that demonstrates joy. I'm like, that makes sense to me. I don't want a dour saint, I want a joyful saint who knows that God is with them. All right, let's go back to, you don't have to go back on the slide, but back to Galatians 5.22. Joy is a consequence, not action, it's a consequence of loving God and of life in the spirit. It's palpable, it's even noisy. One of the things that happens in us, so says God's word, is that when we are shaped by the spirit, we bear fruit. We bear fruit. Where do we see this in the scriptures? We see David dancing before the Lord, going out with joy. All right, how many people in here know what the word tarantism means or have heard that before? No one. How about the tarantella, the dance? Anyone? Wow, not very many Italians in the room. Okay. So tarantism means this. It is one's inability to be still when music is playing. So if you ever meet my youngest daughter, Camille, who's all things creative, she's a wedding planner and stylist, she's about to style, can I say this, John Cougar Mellencamp. How fun is that? People of a certain age, you know who that is. Anyway, <laughs> when she was three, we were sitting in Starbucks and she was sitting at the counter with her little kid's cocoa and the music was playing and she's going like this. And then she turned to me and she said, Bobby, I have to dance. And she puts the cuff down and she gets in the middle of the Starbucks, you know, and she's now at our house, no points for style. All the points are about, you just gotta be all in. It's all about participating. So she is dancing, 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 and the people around her loved it. The next time we went back, I'm here to tell you her cocoa was free. <laughs> That's tarantism. I can't not dance. Maybe we need to make up a word for that for joy. I can't not be joyful because God is good to me. And I know that because God is present with me no matter my circumstances. I am filled with joy. Karl Barth, who's a, who was a theologian, lived in Basel. Don't you want to say that with me? Basel. He's a German theologian and I had Steve Finkbeiner here last service, so I had a little help with the pronunciation. We'll see if I get it right. But he talks about something called Dankbarkeit. And it's more than just being grateful. It's like this. 
gratitude, grateful, gratitude, grateful, always in all things for everything. Did you get that? Not redundant, right? But that's the idea, that my whole being is grateful. I think when we are delighted, if we remember to say, thanks God, that's what we're talking about with that word. Every week, our staff team meets on Tuesdays, and somebody on the staff team leads in devotions. Some people love leading devotions. Some of us love using our words in public. Some not so much. And Amanda Milholland, who is our office manager, if you haven't met Amanda, you need to meet her because anything that you think goes well here has to do with Jesus and Amanda because she helps keep us all in check on all things. But it was her turn to do devotions, and she said, you know, I don't love doing this, but I, I'm... I'm working on something in my life I wanted to share with you. And after she shared, I said, thank you for Sunday's sermon because so much of what I'm sharing with you and about to share with you came from Amanda. That's God's grace. It's been a full week for me, so that's God's grace. She said she was looking at this Galatians passage and she said, you know, know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, a lot of those things I can choose to be, right? I can pause and change my actions. So she has a 10 and a half year old at home and she said, I can pause and use gentle words. I can pause and be loving. Joy feels different, she said. It feels like something like you can't really manufacture, which I totally agree with her. And so she said, here's what I've decided to do. I've decided to borrow other people's joy. So would you all help me out? She brought a ball jar in and then she gives each a slip of paper. And she said, would you write down one thing that has brought you joy in the last week? And then put it in my jar. And I'll keep adding to it. My family and I will keep adding to it. And you guys can add to it whenever you want. But when I don't know what to feel joyful about, I'm going to borrow someone else's joy. I'm going to take it out of the jar and read it. How good is that? And she's on to something. How many of you, when you see somebody doing something and they're delighted, it delights you? right? Contagious laughter. Come on, we all know the phrase. Watching your grandchild hit their first, you know, I don't know, home run. For me, it happens often when I am watching people do what they, I feel like, are designed to do by God. Some friends um, gifted my husband and me with tickets to the symphony, and we got to sit right above the orchestra. I had to lean back so I didn't drip tears on them because these, these musicians, my, my oldest daughter is a violinist, so I have some idea how much time they have spent mastering this craft, right? And they're doing what God made them to do. The music isn't coming with them, it's coming through them. And I was delighting and rejoicing and thanking God for their gifts. We have a picture of my friend, Lynn Cox. Some of you have heard me talk about Lynn. Lynn was a prima ballerina in her earlier life, and now she runs Marin Dance Theater, which is over just across the way at St. Vincent's. She was made to teach dancers of all ages. I had the joy of just sitting in her classroom observing her teach a few years ago. And I was beside myself because Can you see the joy on her face? Can you see her delight? She is doing what God made her to do. Certainly you don't want me teaching your children to dance. Now Lynn and I have been friends for 25 years 
And in the first 11 years that I knew her, we lived very close to one another, and we got up and walked five mornings a week. And when I moved a few years back, one of her gifts to me was that she calculated how many miles we had walked, and in 11 years, we had walked 13,000 miles. It's a lot of miles. But we walked together every day. So I know this woman very well, and I know that not all of life has been easy for her. She chooses joy. Seeing her do what God shaped her to do brings me joy. So how do we learn to borrow people's joy? Well, a really good way is to hang out with some joyful people. Right? We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. That implies that something has to grow and be birthed, right? So we have a picture here. I don't know if anybody will know what these little green sprouts are. Anybody know what those are? They are carrots. That's right. Carrots. Someone said celery. I don't know what celery looks like, but maybe just like that also. Um, My mom was um, one of seven children and born right after the beginning of the Depression. So her family grew food at home. And her siblings, really the whole of her life, teased her mercilessly because the first few times she went out to harvest things from the garden or to weed the garden with my grandfather, she kept pulling the baby carrots out of the ground because she thought they were weeds. So she needed someone who had more experience than she did to teach her. She needed a master gardener. Isn't that what we need? We need to be around people who know how to garden, who know how to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in partnership with the Holy Spirit. They're modeling something. I learn from them. It's back to Amanda's jar. Why did she have us put our joy in the jar so she could borrow it on the hard days? It's one of the gifts of living in community with one another. Part of the Westminster Catechism asks this question, what is the chief end of each human being? And the answer the student would give is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. I said it earlier, we don't have to wait until forever. We can do this now. Again from Karl Barth, Grace always demands the answer, eucharista, or that is grace always demands a responsive attitude. In your hour of recreation, whether you're going to the movies, going out to dinner, staying at home, going for a walk, going scuba diving, can you notice the grace and respond with gratitude and worship? I think we can do this together. Spiritual maturity for us means walking around in all 168 hours of our lives, our daily lives. Walking on the sidewalk, out to the parking lot, cleaning up the kids' toys, cleaning up the dog poop, going to work, getting on one more Zoom call. That means spiritual maturity in all of those things means walking around paying attention to God. It's the whole point of the sermon series. Where are you seeing God at work? How are you responding? Are you being recreated, led to gratitude, which leads you then to worship? Gosh, I hope so. Joy is a sacramental state. It's not an out, it is outward. It's manifested so that others might see God and wonder about God's love for them. Again, from Augustine, a Christian should be a hallelujah from head to toe. All right, friends, this week I'm going to give you a way to practice 
being a hallelujah from head to toe. And each of the offering tables in the front and the back of the church, and I'll put this one down on the floor, there's a jar for joy. Here's what I hope you will do. Take a slip of paper, write one thing from the last week where your heart was singing, you were delighting, you were rejoicing in God, and then take that home with you. Maybe you want to start your own joy jar. It's a great way to invite your family, especially little kiddos, to pay attention. Where is God showing up? when my friend shared her donut, whatever it is. So may we be shaped by God to live lives that outwardly show our gratitude and joy. Amen? When you're ready, why don't you stand up as you're able and then come and get a slip of paper and the band's gonna lead us in worship.